Aggression is one of the last dirty words in our culture. You can be crass, you can be rude, you can even be profane, but ho, oh, aggressive, don't be aggressive, except it's wrong, dead wrong. I promise you nothing of meaning and transcendence will come into your life passively. It's time for you to get into the arena to push back against a passive, mediocre existence. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. You know, The Aggressive Life started as something different. It started with me being able to talk about things that I'm pretty fired up about, which is about being aggressive. Too, too many of us are passive. Too, too many of us are just letting life happen to us instead of us grabbing life by the throat and pushing forward. And so I've, I've had a great time having... Uh, former NFL players on here, professional soccer players on here. We've had, uh, gosh, we've had, we've had a wide variety of people. And today we're going to go off the board and talk to a man who represents a profession that I thought I would never have on the podcast. I don't know if you know, but my day job as a pastor, that's what I do. This is not an insider of Christianity podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to be aggressive And I find myself surprisingly for the first and maybe only time having a pastor. That's right. A man of the cloth is in the studio today. A man of the cloth. And I'm telling you, this guy is a pastor. Like he's got the Southern twang going from Dallas. He's got got it going on. And some of you are going to think, no, wait, well, I I thought this was aggressive life. Why is this two pastors talking? Well, you're going to find out today because this dude's going to push your buttons. He's going to push your buttons. He's going to tank you. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be an aggressive move for you to simply hang in for this whole conversation because we're going to talk about things that I'm very confident you've never heard talked about before. I'm very confident we're going to push you on something that you have never been pushed on before. Pretty much everyone I know wants to be generous. Pretty much everyone I know says, oh, I'm a generous person. And pretty much everyone I know is not a generous person. They want to be known as a generous person. And a lot of us think of ourselves as generous, but are we really? Well, today I'm with pastor and author Robert Morris to talk about generosity. He's devoted much of his life to studying what the Bible teaches about generosity. And even more aggressive than that, he's actually practiced it. Generosity is so integral to living an aggressive life that I actually flew here to Dallas to talk to Robert face to face We've already had a great conversation. I'm looking at the at the buck that you've killed. I'm incredibly <laughs> generous. How is it the preachers can kill buck that big? Are you kidding me? It's called the blessed life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! I, I pulled I pulled out my phone and said, "Look at this guy that I'm tracking." And then he pulled out his phone and showed me the last ones he's gotten. How wide are the racks on those things? Oh, uh, uh, that one was 23, but we got one about 30 inches wide. So 23 and 30 inches, and that okay. was with an arrow. So that's the way our ancestors shot deer just just to remind you davy crockett daniel boone they used arrows bow and arrows man (laughs) ridiculous now you just mentioned the words we're going to talk about a lot you said i've been blessed you said the blessed life you're alluding to your you're alluding to your book called the blessed life you just told me what your sales what sales were how much you would have slash could have made this last year it's 13 years in that book how much what do you make 18 years in the book's 18 years old it's been on the best sellers list since it came out many months it's still number one uh, but last uh, over the past several years, it's brought in over a half million dollars a year, and I don't get a penny of it. So half million dollars 
you would make a year on that book. You don't make a dime on it. That is aggressive. When's the last time you turned down a half million dollars every year, turned it down? When's the last, when's the last time you turned down $500? Brother, turned down $500,000 on the blessed life. Let's get our nomenclature right. What does it mean to be blessed? What, what do you mean when you say blessed, I've been blessed, blessed life? What is that? Well, I think it refers to every area of your life. So it's definitely, it's not just your finances, even though we do talk about finances. And Brian, it's really important to talk about finances because Jesus said that where your treasure is, where your finances are, there your heart will be. Now, many people misquote that. They turn it around. They'll say like where your heart is, there your finances will go. Like if your heart is in hunting, then your finances will go there. But what happens is it's actually wherever your finances go, your heart follows. So if you want your heart in people, like in helping people, helping needs, you see the pot you pour in other countries, and you want your heart to go there, you actually put your finances there. And what it means is that when God blesses us, it means he gives us enough to also bless others, to be a blessing. It's not about us making more money. It's about us being a blessing to those around us. When did this start to work its way into your life? When did you discover this? What were your first baby steps? Yeah, well, it started really watching my dad. My dad was a businessman, and um, he always helped people. He bought cars for families that couldn't afford cars. He actually, uh, in, in the book, I talk about how many cars we've given away, and we, the Lord told me to stop counting at 20, and that was in 1990. So we stopped. So I don't know how many we've given away since. Our church, by the way, gives away over 100 cars a year to people. So we love to give to help people. But my dad started this. But when I told my dad when I got into 15 cars, he wasn't trying to one-up me. You got to hear that. It just reminded You're him. You've given 15 cars by what age? Uh, I was I probably uh, 35. 35. So, but I said, I said, Dad, uh, Debbie and I just gave away our 15th car. And he said, oh, that's great. He said, you know what? He said, your mom and I just gave away our 15th house. My dad would buy houses for people, and if they made their payments for five years to him, then he'd give it to them. He, he, he was teaching me to reward good stewardship, to reward hard work. And so it started really with my dad. I saw him being generous, but I didn't grow up generous. I, I was selfish. I, I, my dad was very successful financially. I wanted money. Uh, I started going after drugs in high school. I got, I became very immoral, very immoral. And then I met this young lady named Debbie that we've been married to now. Now, when you say immoral, because these are pastors, we talk in generalities. What do you mean immoral? You, you didn't mix your recyclables or you didn't separate <laughs> your recyclables or you, no. you, you had too many bowls of cornflakes and put too much sugar on them? What do you mean you were immoral? I mean, I was immoral uh, with a lot of young ladies in high school and I'd meet them and that's all I'd think about. I wasn't thinking about a person. I was thinking about a body. And I think it is one of the most degrading things a man can do to look at a person and think in that way, think about her body and not even think about ever having a relationship or getting to know her. And that's what I call immoral. And I was extremely immoral. You had immoral. a drug problem I had well. a drug problem as well. And uh, a guy finally told me, uh, man, it's not just saying you believe in Jesus, it's giving him control of your life. And I was actually in a motel room. And this guy starts confronting me. And, uh, but, and that, but when I gave my life, when I gave control of my life, I should say, that's when everything changed. And shortly after that is when I wanted to, I wanted to be a blessing. I wanted to help others. So if I wanted to be a blessing, 
to other people? What would be the first step I should take? Well, the first step you should take is learning how to manage what you have. And that's the problem. A lot of people have no clue. And a lot of people don't have a clue. <laughs> and this is horrible. But there's a curse word, I think, to a lot of people, and it's called math. <laughs> they hate it. And they hate for me to talk about it. So I won't that's talk about it That's a four-letter word, actually. That's right. It's a four-letter word. But just learning to manage what you have because so many times we have enough ever one of us to be a blessing. We just don't manage what we have well. We don't even know where it goes. I find the conversation around generosity always shuts people down. It's, well, unless people are generous, then they don't shut down. But if it isn't a priority for you, I just find people just shut down. They don't want to talk about it. And I think this is one of the reasons why I want to talk about this is to be aggressive. I know, shoot, 50% of everybody who's tuned into this has already turned it off or you're going to turn it off right now in the next two minutes. And I want to tell you, be aggressive, keep, listen, where else are you going to hear this? You're not going to hear this on NBC. You're not going to hear it with the United Way and Fair Share. You're not going to hear it with your buddies when you're sitting in a, sitting in a tree stand. You're not. So I'm just telling you, freaking pay attention. Sit here. I want to be aggressive with you. I want to help you. I want you to be exposed to something that you couldn't see any other way. And we've got an expert here, and I'm getting fired up about it because I'm, I'm really excited. i tell you why I'm getting fired up about it is because whenever I get to talk about this, people always get ticked off because they think I've got some ulterior motive as a pastor. Yeah. No one here on the Aggressive Life is paying any subscription. I'm not asking anybody in the, on the Aggressive Life to give any money to me or anything. Yeah. But everyone always puts this on me when I'm talking about it any place else. But here I am with you. Yeah. No one yeah. can, I have you as well, a guest, and okay. I just brought so you I, in. Yeah, so go so, ahead, help so, us. Well, help me help others. So I want to be a little aggressive here. You got me fired yes, up now. Yes, come on now. And I want to say I actually disagree with you on something. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> is that wait okay? a minute. You're disagreeing with me on the aggressive. The okay, that is an aggressive That's move, aggressive, Robert Morris. Okay. That is aggressive. What, All right, why? you said a lot of people shut you down when you talk about generosity. Yes. I think what they shut down is when they hear a preacher talking about giving money. Because they think he has an ulterior motive, and many of them do. Many of them do. But when they talk about generosity, I think every person has something in his heart or her heart that would love to be generous. When we see people in trouble, when we see the homeless, when we see poverty, we want to do something to help. So I actually think we all would love to be generous yes. if we just knew how to be generous. It, it's the step, though, isn't it? That's it what makes it so difficult. Yeah. That is true. I think that's why we all believe that we're generous is because we all in our, in our minds and our hearts, we want to do something, but we're stuck. Yeah. So you say, if we want to go beyond where we are, do your math, yep. what else would you know, we do? The second thing is to obey the little prompting that you get on the inside of you. And you know, if you're a Christian, you can talk about it's the voice of God. If you're not a Christian, we all have these little promptings to do something like to pay for the meal for a family that we see that they can't afford it, and you know they can't afford it. Or if it's to just uh, help buy, pay for gas. I was at a gas station a while back. The lady was, I, I had to go inside. Uh, I don't know if I should go into this or not, but I, I have you a should. little, okay. Okay, so once or twice a year, stay with me now, I like Dr. Pepper with peanuts in it. Just once or twice just a year. Just once or twice. That's that's what every uh, that's what every person Dr. has Pepper. an addiction says. All right. So just a few times. So I had to go inside. So Do you I wasn't sprinkle just, a little I just bit went, of uh, smokeless tobacco in there? Because this is no, Texas. Texas. No, 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 no. But that All would right. be a good idea. I'm going to think about that <laughs> next time. So, But I, had, I couldn't just pay for my gas on my card. So I had to go inside and get it. The lady in front of me, I was actually getting kind of frustrated, was counting out coins, no dollar bills. She counted out $1.32 for gas. Now, every person listening would be moved by that. 
And so immediately I go from frustration to I felt very, very compassionate about her. And so I went out and said, can I pay for your gas? And I used my card and put it on. So the first step is I've got to be able to have the money in the account to do something like that. Second step is obey the little prompting. It's just a small prompting and just start being generous when you feel like I would like to do that. Well, do it. Just go ahead and do it. That's such a good word for everybody, whether you're atheist, Christian, Muslim, whatever you are. Most of us could afford somebody else's gas every once in a while at least. And all of us would feel blessed the rest of the day having done that. Yeah, it made my day because actually what I found out was it was there was a younger man and a woman there. It was for them. It was the mother of the son there that was doing it. She gave me a hug and said, you'll never know how much this means to you. And I actually do something else. I carry $100 bills with me, and I give them away when God tells me to or when I feel a prompting, however you want to say it. And uh, so I say, I told him that, but I always give God him a- God prompted you to give me $100 right now? Has he, pro- <laughs> you know, has he prompted you? You know, I left my wallet downstairs. To- oh, I'm so man. sorry. I'm so sorry. I called sorry. the preacher, man, and he didn't, he didn't deliver. <laughs> well, I don't feel prompted. He actually did. To be, <laughs> well, to be clear, he did change his pants and left his wallet downstairs. So I'll, I'll say that yeah, I'll say yeah. that he would have done it had it not. But anyway, when I go do ahead. it, when I do it, I say that I, I want to just let him know, and I give him about a 30-second testimony that my life was messed up. And I don't see it like I'm trying to push my religion on him. Because think about this. Think about if I had cancer and I found a cure for it. And then you told me you had the same cancer. And I said, hey, there's a place where I went and I found a cure. There's a medicine. There's a treatment center for that. And I'm alive because of it. I wouldn't be trying to push something down your throat. I'd just be simply telling you. So all I was doing is telling them I was on a messed up path and God changed my life. Not religion, but God did. And so I gave them a $100 bill too when I bought their gas. Wow, that's strong. Okay, is there a third step or what else is just on the, off the top of your mind for some? Yeah. I know there's a lot of stuff. You've, you've written books on this, so I'm not asking you to recount everything in your books. Just like, is there a next no-brainer step to take? Well, uh, the third step to me would be uh, doing the big promptings. I just said do the little promptings, yeah. you know, manage it so you have it. Because otherwise, you don't want you can't give when you owe, owe, you know, the credit card companies and you're paying 18% interest, you know. So then do the little promptings, but then the big promptings. That's how uh, when my wife and I felt to give away a car mm. and to go, we had two cars and we felt like we, we should give one away to a single mom that didn't have a car. Her car broke down and she couldn't pay to have it repaired. And we felt like we'll just go with one car. We had two kids at the time. We'll just go without for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was a big, big deal. But what we realized was the more we kept obeying those promptings, the little ones and the big ones, it was like the more resources God would entrust to us because God really does care about people. He really does. I find that incredibly inspiring. I've, uh, I've given away my share of cars. Um, I don't know. It's not as sexy as it sounds. They're normally at the end of their life. I'm getting a tax write off when I when I when I give it in, and and it's just easier than me selling it. I mean, there's good to it. I think God is happy when I do it, but it's I don't know. It's a bit more calculated the number of times I've done it. What you just described, though, man, that's that's really inspiring to say I could live on one car, and I wasn't planning on getting rid of our other family car. To do that, that's exactly why I wanted you here. That's an aggressive move, that's brother. That's to me where the joy comes from is when it's not a, uh, uh, like giving your old clothes to goodwill. 
no joy in that because you're getting your closet cleaned out. The joy is when you just bought a new suit and it fits the other guy perfectly who doesn't have a suit and you really liked that suit and you got it on half price or whatever. You know, the joy is when you're going to sacrifice something. That's where the joy comes from. Yeah. And it's, and the joy you feel afterwards, you feel a joy, joy right before you sacrifice it. I think I actually feel it both. I feel a joy that I'm about to do it. I feel the joy when I do it. I feel it afterwards. Now, I will say, sometimes when you give, you get a, you, afterwards you start thinking, oh, man, should I really have done that? And you might even get a response that you weren't looking for. Like I can remember one time giving a car to someone, and the person was looking at the uh, our other car in the driveway like he would have rather me given him that one. That's right. And and it, it disappointed me in the person, but I had to go back to, wait, this that's not, I didn't give it so I'd get a response. I gave it because I really felt like they needed it and I'm just going to trust what I felt. Yeah, boy, that's, that's really good. I've given sometimes because I've wanted the reward of seeing that person's face light up. And, and you're right, sometimes you just don't see their face light up and so then you don't feel as rewarded as you hoped you would be. And then our, you know, our, our motives are really checked on something like that. Yeah. You, did, you did say you'd given away a house, you, not your dad, you, or many houses. What, what, what is that? Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I just was sitting in a chair and in the morning, and I just felt that little prompting. It was like the Lord, I felt, said to me, would you give me everything? Would you give me everything? And... I, I just immediately knew he meant everything in my checking account, everything in my savings account, everything in the business account I had, everything in the business savings account, everything in our retirement account, both our cars and our house. And I sat there for a moment in disbelief, and then I had that joy, and I hadn't even given it yet. I just thought, yes, I would love to give you everything. You gave me everything. Why wouldn't I give you everything? And I got so excited about it. And a lot of people want to know, well, how'd your wife feel? <laughs> she, <laughs> she, got, she got excited too. And so we prayed about it. We gave all our funds away, even retirement, everything, cars. And we gave our house to a, a family. They had five children, didn't have a house. And to this day, we don't regret giving any of it away. I came over to Robert's Church here, Gateway Church here in Dallas, you know, and I tell you, if you're looking for a reason to be cynical, you probably could find it here. Dallas is a big place. It's a big church. It's a nice church. If you're looking for a reason to be cynical, you could find it if you came to my church, this little thing called Crossroads in Cincinnati. Our church is about the same size. We've got two churches here that are, you know, doing really, really well. And um, before Robert goes into another gear, I'm going to have you go to another gear. I just wanted people to hear those stories here. Because this was part of your life and what you were doing long before big booming 30 oh, yes. some thousand gateway church came right. along, long before one of your books was pumping out royalties of a half million dollars a year in year 13, 18, whatever that you're not taking, long before you become well known. This, this, is, this isn't some shtick that you're doing as a way to be known or as a way for the church to have income. This is something you've lived your life with. And I just wanted people to get this and um, to know we, 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 got, we got someone here is walking, this, walking their talk and, 
has been aggressive, even though it hasn't been his day job to be aggressively generous. So, well, way to go. Thank you. And here's another thing, uh, you know, you, you like, you say about your church as well. It's a big church and you're, you're the same way, I know. But so, but just something for people to know. Uh, this always kind of blows people away when I meet them in the community. They say, oh, it's a big church. I say, yeah, I say, I want to tell you something. We've never passed the plate one time. Never one time have we ever passed a, an offering plate. We just have boxes around the walls. And if you want to give, great. If God's doing something in your heart, great. But if you don't want to give, that's the whole purpose. Right. That's what the word give means. Mm. I mean, you want to. <laughs> right. So that's giving. Otherwise, it's a tax. Mm. When you were asking me about the little the things and I was saying this is what I would do, I was kind of including everybody. If we're going to talk about believers, those who really believe in God, believe that Jesus is the Lord and that we give our lives to him, and we say, well, what are the things? And I said, oh, you know, get your finances in order, you know, obey the small promptings, obey the large promptings. But I would say the thing I've seen people the most change their life the most is when they decide I am going to give the first 10% to God. I've had more people write me and tell me that changed everything. And I have all sorts of testimonies of people getting new jobs, promotions, raises, and it's not a give and you'll get. That, that is not it. It's that we get to give. We don't give to get, we get to give. But when God's first, it's amazing how God then wants to give us more resources because he knows he can trust us with what he's giving us. Very few things uh, turn me on and make me feel really warm inside more than when a friend of mine or a family member I find out has, has started to tithe to give God the first 10% because when that happens, That's right. I know God has them. That's right. Before that, all I know is they have some beliefs that line up with some things and may, they may have been baptized or they may have said some prayers. But when someone does that, I know yeah. and God knows, God knows, I got you. Right. I got you yeah. and you got me. There's just a whole new level to that. It's a completely different level when we say, God, I'm going to put you first in my finances. <laughs> it's one thing to stand in church and say, I'm going to put you first in my life. But when it comes to the wallet, it is like there's a, a fishing line from the wallet to the heart because you can see it. When people reach for it, it's like they go, oh, it's like they get chest pain all of a sudden, you know. So you're right. Something happens when we start to tithe that can't happen any other way. Yep. Think about here's a Here's a good question. Um, who invented giving? Uh, Jesus. That's it. That's oh, right. It's always the That's answer. Right. That's right. That's you go. you got, you're, you're just like my grandkids. You used to be my kids. They'd say, what dad preached on today? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. So, but God, God, God invented it. But why? He invented it to work selfishness out of our lives because selfishness destroys our lives. And so that's why you're saying you've seen it over and over and over again. When a person starts being generous, which is the opposite of selfishness, everything begins to change in their lives. We're not, I'm not saying we don't have any more problems. Obviously, we yeah. do. But the same thing, it, uh, you know, many, many people, we watch these movies about falling in love, finding the right person. We, we, we have that dream. I want to find this person and grow old. You know, the notebook. You had Your wife made you watch it too, probably. Yeah. And, you know, I want to grow old with this person. Yes, I do. But... But you got to understand, marriage doesn't work if you're selfish. Life doesn't work if you're selfish. So I asked myself one time, why did God even invent, rather than create, invent giving? I think he wanted to work selfishness out of my life so I could live a, okay, a blessed life. But let me, let's, let's just for a minute, what's the word blessed mean? It means happy. 
So many people don't even know that. It comes from a Greek word, makarios. It When Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who, you know, are persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed, it's the word happy. So that's all we're really talking about is God wants us to be happy and to live a joy-filled life. And he knows the only way it'll happen Wait a minute. is You're to get selfish. You're saying it's okay to be happy? It's okay to be Wait, happy. Wait, no. <laughs> I, I thought the closer to God you got, the more miserable you had to be. No, not for me. It hadn't worked that way in my life because I was miserable. And now I have been living a wonderful, wonderful life. And I'm still alive. And that's the grace of God right there. You're not a health and wealth guy, in large part because you've not had all the health in the world. You've lost, what, 50% of your blood two times in the last few years? Uh, yeah, almost 40% one time, 50% the other time. Yeah, just a year and a half ago. So, yeah. wow, so you're And no I still s- eat burgers and shakes sometimes. <laughs> so I'm not definitely health, and I'm not definitely wealth. From the standpoint of, I do want to bless people. But here's the reason I don't agree with the health and wealth gospel. And I don't even like it being called gospel because it's not good news. It's bad news. Uh why did God invent giving to work selfishness out of your life? What does the prosperity doctrine or gospel or, or health and wealth gospel do? It works selfishness into your life. Yeah. Giving you'll get, giving you'll get. So basically we'll say, oh, I want to get. I wonder if God's in heaven saying, oh, this is great. They're all catching the revelation of getting. Right. That wasn't what he wanted us to catch. Not the revelation of getting, but the revelation of giving. And here's why he wanted us to. The greatest giver is God. He's the greatest giver. You're, you're, you and I are the most like God when we give. So you're a pastor now. Um, did you always plan on being a pastor? Have you always been a pastor? <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. And uh, as I said, my dad owned a company, so I thought I would one day, you know, take over his company and, and do that. And after I gave my life to the Lord, I started speaking at youth events and young, you know, all these things where churches would gather young people, and I just started sharing with them about how I gave my life to the Lord. Pretty soon, I start traveling around and speaking, and that's what I'm doing full-time for a job all of a sudden. I'm traveling around doing youth revivals, we used to call them. And, um, but the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly and said, uh, I don't want you to, you say from now on, when they say, what are your financial requirements for coming? You say, I have no financial requirements for coming. You don't even have to pay my expenses. And I remember this guy said, when I said that to him, a pastor of a small church said, well, that's good because I'm not even sure we could pay your gas. On the way up there, I stop and get gas. I walk in and to pay for it, and the lady said, it's taken care of. And I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, well, I own the gas station, and God told me to fill your car up with gas. And the guy said, I, we can't even afford your gas, you know. So anyway, I go to this small church to preach, and I tell him, you don't have to give me anything. And But he gets up and says, he told me this. Nobody's ever told me that. Let's give him an offering. And that was the only meeting I had for the whole month, and we had no other income is if, if church gave an offering or an honorarium, that's how we lived. And so I go, I, but I don't require anything. And so they bring him the amount. They give an offering. They bring him the check at the end of the service to give to me. And he says, look at this. Look at this. This is this is the most we've ever given. And I look down, and it's, it's enough for our whole month. And it's the only meeting I have that month. So God is teaching me, if you do it my way, I'll take care of it. So I look at it, and I think, Lord, that's great. And while this pastor's talking to me, I look over his shoulder, like I'm kind of looking over your shoulder now, and at the back of the church was this missionary that gave a report right before I spoke. Mm. And this voice said to me, give him the check. And I remember exactly what I thought, get behind me, Satan. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the devil. That's not God. That's not you, God, you know. But I couldn't get away from it. So I endorsed the check, waited till everyone was gone, 
went up, gave the missionary a check, said, don't look at it until after you leave, because it's a very large amount, and said, but God told me to do this. We walk outside, and there's this guy standing there, and he said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Do y'all want to come? And we said, yeah, because, you know, we're broke. So if someone's buying pizza, we're in. So we go, and we're sitting at the table, and there's six guys, six ladies, and we kind of divided up so we could talk about hunting and sports and, you know, the Super Bowl and stuff. Anyway, all of a sudden, these four guys beside us start talking. The guy right across the table from me about this far says to me, how much was the offering? Just like that. And so I told him the amount. And then he said, where's the check? And I know you're not supposed to lie, but I didn't want to say we gave it away, you know, and brag. Right. So I said, um, Debbie has it. And he said, go get it. I want to see it. So I went down to Debbie, and I just bent down. I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? You know, because there's no check. So I go back to him, and again, I lied again. I said, um, it's in the car. And the guy said, it's not in the car. And so I said, well, where is it? <laughs> you know, I said, you're so smart, you know. And he said, you gave it away, didn't you? And I said, did you see me give it away? He said, no. I said, how do you know I gave it away? He said, God told me. And so he reached in his pocket and pulled out a check, made out to our ministry. He held it out. It was exactly 10 times the amount mm. of the check we'd just given away. And the check we had given away had dollars and cents. It was not a round amount. And the check he had had dollars and cents, exactly 10 times He had amount. previously written it he out. He wrote it out before he came to church because God told him to. Dude. So God, at that moment, I remember God saying, son, you can never outgive me, and you just obey me. When I tell you to give, you give. I'll take care of the rest. Man, that's great. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, gl I'm glad no one's asking me to give him something right now because I would give him. Actually, I'm wishing. Who in here wants me to give you something? My gosh. I am so mad. I am fired up. That is, dude, this is great. Now, this is the other thing I find so interesting about the life you lead. Uh, we've firmly established your credentials as a man who is aggressive and giving, firmly established your credentials as far as understanding the heart of God and being a blessing to people who are hurting. Um, and, I, and I know we just scratched the surface on your stories from what I know about you. What I find also very invigorating is at the same time, at least now in your life, you are very okay with spending on yourself to have fun for you and your family. I am. Why is that? I am, I am. Uh, because God told me. <laughs> and uh, and here's the reason. The, so the first book I wrote when I put my, which is the blessed life, this one I'm giving. I, I when I closed the manuscript, I just happened to have my hands on it like this, and I felt like the Lord said, "Will you give this book to me?" The first. Remember, we give the first to God, mm. and and I knew it'd probably be my bestseller of all of all of my books if I wrote more books. But I said, yes, I'd, I'd love to. And that's how we get to this place where it's a half million dollars a year that we just get to give to the kingdom. The second book, when I finished it, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And he said, the rest of the books that you write are to bless your family and build the kingdom. Hmm. And I actually said to him, didn't you say that backward? You, don't you mean to build the kingdom and bless my family? And he said, no, I didn't mean that at all. I mean to bless your family and build the kingdom. All three of my kids, I have two sons and a daughter, and then my, when you talk about my son-in-law, and then they're married, they went to school for business. They went to school for something other than ministry. They're now all three in ministry. Now, it doesn't even be in business, whatever, but they all love God. Mm. They all love God. And 
So they've given their lives, though, to really serve him with everything they have. So we have like a vacation property out of the royalties from the other books. I don't feel bad about that at all because it's a place where our family gathers, where we can spend time. Every year I take our whole family on a vacation. We've been to Hawaii. We've been to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We've been to Florida. You know, we've just we've been to uh, the Virgin Islands. Dad pays for all that. Now it's now it's Papaw pays for everything. I don't feel bad about that. I don't think God feels bad about us wanting to bless our families. I don't think it's wrong to want to be a blessing to your family. I don't think it's wrong if you want to be able to afford braces for your kids, or if you want to uh, help them with college or their first. We helped all of our kids buy their first home. I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I do think it's wrong, selfishness. And as long as God can work selfishness out of my heart and I'm being generous to others, I think he's okay with that. There, there's, a, there's a lot of things happen when we aggressively give that are benefits to our lives we probably wouldn't have ever expected, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we gave everything away, um, uh, two or three days later, I'm sitting in that same chair. Now, we had planned where to give it, so we hadn't even given it yet, but we did go through with it and gave everything away. But I'm sitting in that chair, and I'm reading about when uh, God said to Solomon, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, ask anything you want. Ask anything you want. And um, you, you got to understand, too, the day after we gave everything away, the day after this guy calls me up and says, Robert, um, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I thought, well, he's going to, you know, uh, buy us a car because we just given, we don't even have a, a car now. We gave them both away. And I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? He said, he told me to buy you an airplane. <laughs> so it was God just saying to me, you can't outgive me. Now, let me say this. We don't have an airplane now. We gave that airplane away. Of course uh, you so, gave it away. What, happened, <laughs> what have you not given? Have you given your under, underwear away? What a couple I, times. Uh, have you? Okay. <laughs> no, not really. So I, I think I kept those. So, And no one would want them either. either one. So, all right. They're holy underwear, so, I understand. Yeah, a yeah. holy man like you. Yeah. But the point is that uh, we, we gave that away. So, But a, a few days later, I'm reading about Solomon, where God said, ask anything you want. And it says, at night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, ask anything you want. So when you see things in the Bible, sometimes you think, it causes a question in your mind. So I thought, well, at night, so what happened that day? Well, that day, Solomon was inaugurated the king of Israel. And it was tradition for the king to offer one bull. Solomon sacrificed 1,000 bulls. Not 10, not 100, 1,000. And it was only tradition to sacrifice one. And so the Lord said to me, I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want because I can't trust anyone else. I can't trust him with that statement. So since Solomon gave extravagantly, I asked, told him, ask anything you want. And I'm not even thinking that Debbie and I had given away everything, but then the Lord said to me, ask. Ask anything you want. And I knew immediately what I wanted because I told you a moment ago that I was immoral as a teenager. What you may not know is that I wasn't saved when Debbie and I got married. And so I was immoral after I got married. Mm. And I believe with all of my heart that when she found out about it, I'd lose my marriage. And so I said to the Lord, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. That's what I want. And this last May, we celebrated 39 years of marriage. Mm. That's better than an airplane. Amen. Friends, you just heard from an incredibly impressive and aggressive man 
And if you didn't know what a godly man was like, you just heard one. People want to track with you, find out anything more about you, follow up with you, learn more from you. Where can they go to find you, your stuff, anything? Uh, I think uh, PastorRobert.com is the easiest way. Uh, and, of course, our website for the church is GatewayPeople.com, but PastorRobert.com. We're on the radio and we're on television. Again, we never ask for any money. <laughs> uh, we're simply doing it to try to tell others, like, I found a cure for cancer. I'm just trying to let everybody know, hey, I found a cure for sin. It doesn't mean I don't sin anymore. It just means that God has forgiven me and he has completely and totally changed my life. Hey, thanks so much for coming on The Aggressive Life. You bless a lot of us today, especially me. And as long as I'm blessed, I don't care about anybody else. So thank you. <laughs> I don't believe that, Brian, but thank you. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. If this episode has impacted you, hey, share it with somebody else. All of us have influence, people that can look to us for direction. Use your influence positively, aggressively. And if this has meant something to you, then pass along to those that you're leading. Uh, you can see more at bryantome.com or search me on Instagram. Special thanks to the band Judges for our music. You can find more from them on Instagram at The Band Judges or at Facebook.com slash The Band Judges. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm.